0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westrom. I'm joined by Chris I'm Nicole Yang. We are recording at 1 a.m. after the NBA draft, in which the Celtics had the 45th pick, which they used to select a man that Grenham called yesterday, just absolutely called it. And that pick was French combo guard slash wing, Juan Begarin. Really interesting guy. He's 18 years old, 6'6, apparently. I mean, a lot of the scouting reports that I saw yesterday after Grenham brought him up it was saying 6'4. And then Grenham tweeted today that on his draft combine, he was 6'6. With seven foot wingspan. Real athletic, interesting skill set as an offensive player. Definitely some good feel for the game and some shot creation potential. Interesting draft overall, but I I like this pick quite a bit for the Celtics, even though there are a lot of people just being like, who in the world is this guy?
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. And obviously, Grenham, I feel weird jumping in as you are the one that predicted this pick. But as the observer, I feel like that pick was, whoopee cushion might be harsh, but there was so much hype because it was like, oh my God, BJ Boston's available, Sharif Cooper's available like Celtics are most definitely going to take one of them and then it could have been anyone and they would have been like oh you know what I mean so I feel like the hype or the anticipation didn't really help his case but then once you actually step back and like looked at it and it seems like okay this isn't actually that bad of an option
2: the circumstances definitely impacted like the reaction Shreve Cooper's on the board BJ Boston's on the board Celtics fans are ready for the greatest possible outcome they could think of and then of course Brad Stevens takes a guy that no one's ever heard of so of course, people on Twitter are going to be disappointed, but I think it makes sense. We've said it so many times during this pre-draft process. They don't need another rookie on their roster full-time right now. They have the luxury of being able to take a really raw prospect like this and try to work with him over the next couple of years, whether it be overseas, whether he does play summer league next month, however they go about this, they have the luxury of being able to take their time with a guy who is 18 years old, super athletic. Like when you see him on the court next to other players, he is massive. John Hollinger at the G League, League camp described him as a running back, which is kind of spot on. He's built like a football player. Like he's really, really big and he, and he moves downhill like a football player. So I think it's kind of a fascinating, raw, big point guard archetype that they're working with here with really good measurables. He's yeah. quick too for his size. Like he moves really well and he's got a really good first step, which is kind of impressive when you first see his size.
0: I mean, I could be wrong, but he doesn't look like the most like explosive vertical athlete necessarily. He can certainly get up and dunk. Like that's, Mm. that's no problem, but it's not like, you know, he's not like head above the rim, like floating up there or anything like that. He's, you know, he just, he seems like more from an athleticism perspective, he seems more of a power guy and, and quickness guy offensively. I like his shot creation a lot. I like his handle, especially if his shot develops. And that's going to be the big thing. Much like Yam last year, if his shot develops, there is a lot to like here. If not, we'll see.
2: Yeah, from the shot standpoint, I think he fits the mold of like a classic raw guard who is a streaky shooter as an 18-year-old. You look at a lot of these guys with a similar archetype, and the lower portions of their shot profile are just kind of all over the place. Like There's just a lot of moving parts in their lower body, and you think, all right, well, maybe if he can get his feet settled under him a little bit, and he gets the lower part of his shot mechanics figured out. Maybe you can go somewhere, but the top portion isn't that bad, considering no. how big he is. Like, I think he's starting in a good place. So there, there's a lot to work with with his shot.
0: It doesn't look supernatural, and it's it's real slow. It's it's a very very slow release, and I think a big part of that is his footwork with his handle is really good. But getting into his shot, it just takes him a minute to kind of get set, get both those feet under him. And so far from the film that I watched, it looked like defenders had kind of learned, like, okay, we don't totally need to respect his shot, mm-hmm. but. We'll get out and contest if we have to. If he starts making more... I, I think the slow release might be more of a thing, you know, he's not just kind of flicking that thing up there. He's really laboring and kind of gathering himself underneath it. So that'll be part of it, I think, is obviously the accuracy. That's always an enormous part, but also just kind of speeding things up a little bit, making it more fluid, making it more like a one motion type thing.
2: The slow release was is like the first thing I noticed when we were watching him the other day. I mean, it's that slow and low start. The ball starts so low with a lot of his releases and you're like, man, this is, this is tough. There's a lot to work on here.
0: Let's give a little bit of context on why we said Grenham called this.
2: I knew it was him at that workout. And I wanted to get confirmation so bad to the point that I was in, I was exchanging Instagram DMs with (laughs) prospects who were at that workout trying to get confirmation and no one knew who he was. They're like, it's a really athletic kid from, I think, maybe France. And I'm like, Jesus, can we just get a name? Like, can you please tell me directly? And I couldn't get confirmation, but I had an inkling that it was him.
0: I had never heard of Joan Begron before Grenham brought this up. Like I had never like watched him when he first brought him up. I thought he was talking about somebody else. No idea who he was. And by the time, like, Grenham and I watched, like, maybe five minutes of film, and both of us were just like, oh, <laughs> this
2: guy's good. Also, there, there is a lot to like beyond just, like, fun YouTube highlights. So you can get pretty hyped up about any overseas prospect, really, if you watch his YouTube highlights. There's a lot to work with here. Like he's got really, really good measurables. And if he can kind of rein in some of the crazy passes that he attempts, some of the tough shot selection, there, there is a lot to work with. He's just a very raw prospect as he stands right now.
0: And again, he's 18. If he comes over next year, he will be the same age, like after another year of playing professionally, he'll be the same age as most of the guys in the draft class if next year's the year he comes over. So this is a guy with good measurables who can do some stuff. And it's, it's going to be a lot of more tightening up rather than yeah. adding things.
2: Yeah, you got to polish around the edge but it's it's a really good starting point. And he's aware of his athleticism, right? Sometimes you get these 18-year-old prospects who don't really know what to do with their athleticism. And you can tell offensively, like he, he knows how explosive he can be. He knows how athletic he is. On defense, he leaves a lot to be desired. Like he can really impact the game quite a bit on defense if he utilizes that athleticism. Like he's pretty upright a lot of times on defense and there's just a lot left to be desired. So if he can channel that athleticism on defense, he could be a real disruptor.
0: Bigger picture, Brad Stevens talked after the draft wrapped up, talked a little bit about his first draft night, just kind of the process that they underwent. A couple of interesting notes. He noted, he said that the Celtics did try to move up, but didn't really try that hard. They weren't really willing to offer much, didn't end up getting anything done there. Um, he talked about a little bit about Summer League, dropped some names. It sounds like pretty much everybody except for Rob and Grant are going to be going to Summer League. Peyton Pritchard, uh, Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford, all those guys. And the Summer League coach is going to be Joe Missoula. You know, those were, those were a couple of the, my big takeaways. And did you guys notice anything, hear anything, see anything else that stood out to you from Brad's post draft availability?
2: One other noteworthy thing I thought outside of um, everything you mentioned was in regards to him potentially naming a general manager. I know there had been a lot of reports out there about that. And he kind of, contrary to those reports, said, no, I haven't reached out to anyone about that and basically shot that down for the time being. So that was kind of an interesting rumor that had been underlying for quite some time now, it felt like. Landry Fields was thrown out there Allison Feaster so that was pretty noteworthy I thought
0: kind of interesting that he hadn't spoken to you know Allison Feaster you know just like people that are in the organization um, or at least he also, also
1: could be lying
0: Yeah, he also could be yeah. lying.
1: and it just doesn't want people to continue to sniff that story out and we'll yeah go about his business
0: <laughs> yeah he, he could also just be lying through his teeth because as we know Brad Stevens is not afraid to lie through his teeth because today he basically said yeah the draft night really wasn't that different as president of basketball operations after every year Telling us, well, this isn't my job. This is Danny Ainge's job. So, Brad <laughs> loves to lie. It's like I'm he's a liar. <laughs>
1: I did find it interesting just that he like revealed that they were trying to trade up because I feel like typically he wouldn't even show like that much of his cards really especially since that didn't even like leak. I was surprised that Brad even like let that on because at this point like you have a pretty good situation you drafted a European guy who's you're going to stash clearly and like why bother like raising those questions because I wonder like what they were interested in like it probably wouldn't have been a stash guy which then would have taken a roster spot or maybe even a two way like I just would have been curious to see who they had their eye on.
0: He offered more like specific details. And again, it's entirely plausible that he was just like lying. But he offered some specific details that I don't think Danny likes to kind of say things and put little jabs at reporters to be kind of funny. But he he just like he always talked around things. Brad was like, yeah, you know, we tried to trade up. We didn't offer very much like he was like real specific, you know, even with the general manager thing. Again, he could be lying. But he said like, I haven't reached out to anybody. So any reports about that are incorrect. Like I just haven't done that. Like, i feel like danny would have done something like well we've had our eyes on a lot of people for a long no, time for like, sure like it just wouldn't have given that specific stuff so I, i'm if this is what brad's gonna do i'm I'm actually super here for it
2: yeah the classic danny Ainge. we have relationships with a lot of people around the league that we've been maintaining for quite some time so we'll we'll see what we're interested in <laughs> exactly exactly
1: I feel like the other big news from the night was the Bradley Beal drama Mm -hmm. and just, well, I guess, lack thereof. And it appears he is staying. The Wizards
2: had not a bad night. I mean, it started out with the fact that Kyle Kuzma and KCP were coming to the Wizards, which sent me into a very dark place. But turned out to be a pretty good night to be a Wizards fan, if I'm being honest.
1: I don't know. I was kind of surprised that he ultimately is staying. Independent of what happened tonight, I think all of us thought heading into draft night that he would eventually be moved and maybe he still will be like during free agency or at the deadline, but I guess they're just building around him now.
0: One, I would not be at all surprised if he is moved at the deadline or if he is, worst case scenario for the Wizards, if he just signs somewhere else. You know, I, I have a hard time seeing that situation resolving. Like, they're not going to be contenders. There's no way they can build themselves into contenders. So, like, what it, what are you going to do that's going to make Bradley Beal, who is, I, I believe, 27, 28? What are you going to do that's going to convince him that they will be contenders in the next three years before he's like on the other side of his prime?
2: Tom, they drafted Isaiah Todd. Bradley Beal is not going anywhere. They drafted Isaiah Todd. Come on.
0: It's true. And, and, you know, Corey Kispert who really can shoot, but I do think that like Beals, like, so I, I could a hundred percent see him getting traded. I also, if if you're the wizards, isn't the move now, like, I mean, you could have tried to trade him at the draft, but isn't the move now to tell everybody that he's not available and that he's sticking around. Like, yeah, they, they always might be just building up, you know, trying to make sure that any offers for him are coming from a place of, you know, strength for them.
1: I guess if he does end up getting traded, like after the draft is better for the Celtics anyway,
0: Right. Yeah. Like as much as I like Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody, I still think seven and 14 are more valuable assets than Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. I just, the it could be anything. It could even be a boat uh, kind of element. <laughs> of draft picks is just so much more intriguing as, as a trade asset.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I do think timing wise for the Celtics, the fact that Beal didn't back Washington into a corner today does leave that possibility open for the Celtics to maybe make a push down the road. But I was very surprised that Bradley Beal was not, you know, hitting the road. The second I saw the Westbrook stuff, I was like, well, it's only a matter of time here until we get the Woj notification that Bradley Beal has officially requested a trade and could be on the move tonight, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the wizards did add some depth, Depth that they haven't had in quite some time, but Tom, you're right. I'm not quite sure what they're going to be able to do in the short term here to add around him to say, Hey, you should look at this. You should stay like, I just don't really foresee that happening.
0: And if you were, you know, if you look at the reports, especially, you know, Shams in particular, basically said he's sticking around For now it was not not here for life is is committing to play for the wizards until he retires from basketball. It was a um, Bradley is willing to give you a couple of months. Like that's what it felt like to me.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
1: again is like the ideal scenario for the celtics like they can sort of assess what they have here and maybe he can also assess what he has he and tatum can talk a little bit more like
0: well you see the uh wizards went out and added bradley beale's good close personal friend contavious caldwell pope so the celtics are in trouble now because you know that KCP bond just can't be broken.
2: I can't believe the Wizards have KCP and Kaukasov.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is wild. That was a, that was a wild trade.
2: <laughs> just a wild, wild up and down day. Absolute roller coaster.
0: <laughs> it was a weird draft. I mean, it started off just bizarre. Like Jalen Suggs did not go number four. Scotty Barnes went number four. The Spurs drafted Josh Primo. So what
2: was that?
0: That was that was insanity weird stuff weird stuff
2: and then the two that we didn't even consider slipping down toward the Celtics, Sharif Cooper and BJ Boston were fully on the board and they passed on them. That was, those were two really surprising ones because BJ Boston and, and Sharif Cooper, honestly, once you get into that second round, those high ceiling guys just make a ton of sense to take a flyer on in the second round to me, but pretty surprising that, that they fell as far as they did.
1: What do you guys make of the Celtics decision to pass on those two guys? Like, I mean, obviously Twitter was hyping it up, but I am kind of surprised. Like I know we've said it over and over that the Celtics don't need another young guy. Yes, with Sharif Cooper I can see it but with BJ Boston like a guy who was supposed to be like in the high lottery heading into last season like what do you make of the decision to pass up on a, a guy like Boston
0: so to be honest with you and this is like pure speculation but also there was there was a small amount of reporting on this after the draft too i think he might be pretty traumatized from everything that happens. I I believe he was driving right behind Terrence Clark when um, Clark got in his car accident. Like he was at the scene when that all happened. Clark was like his really good friend. You know, it is July that happened in April. It's basically been like two months. I, I wonder if he's still struggling with that. So like, and I wonder if teams kind of know that and you add that extra element to the fact that he really did have a down year at Kentucky. I think lots of guys have down years at Kentucky and then end up being pretty good in the NBA so I, I wouldn't have been surprised. I wonder if this extra element of, because he, he was really bad at Kentucky too. It's not like he was like a little worse than expected. He was, he had a really, really tough year at Kentucky. And then to have that happen as well. And to, you know, just kind of be in the tough sp- kind of tough mental space. Like that, I think those two things are probably, probably contributed.
2: That kind of covers BJ as far as Sharif goes, the Celtics. Yeah. They definitely don't need another on ball point guard like that. And also I just don't think Sharif Cooper is that great of an NBA prospect. I definitely don't think he's a first round prospect. He is a worse defender than Trey young. He's not a very good shooter. His measurables suck. Yeah. He's a great ball handler and he's, probably one of the best live dribble guys in the draft, which is huge. But I don't think there's a lot of upside with Sharif Cooper at all. And just as far as the Celtics roster stands, I don't think it made a whole lot of sense for them to go after him.
0: Granum, remember that exhilarating moment when we thought Sharif Cooper was six four?
2: When the measurables at the combine came out, I texted Tom, I was like, Sharif Cooper is listed here at six four and a half or six four and a quarter, whatever it is. Like this is incredible. And Tom and I were like, wow. Like I, I this, believe I texted this, you, oh, so he's a
0: lottery guy then. Yes.
2: Yes. And we were like, oh my God. And then about a half hour later, I walked by Shreve Cooper at Wintrust Arena. I texted Tom. I was like, yeah, that's wrong. I'm taller than him. Like This is not true. This is not true. Sharif Cooper is not a tall young man. He is not tall.
1: I mean, Sharif, I get, I feel like that's just like any like promising guy that people get excited about, but like with Brandon Boston, I feel like just because of the hype from last year, it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, why not just take a a flyer on him and see what happens? Like, it's not like the guy that they drafted instead is going to contribute next year either. He's not even going to be here. So you might as well just try it. But to that end, I guess now they can keep a roster spot open. Theoretically, I guess they could have made BJ Boston a two-way player, but they do now have that open roster spot still and can fill it hopefully with some. Something productive.
0: The other thing, too, is that we know that Beggarone has like a high ceiling, right? Like, I think the thing with with BJ Boston is that we don't know anything. Like, I, I don't I don't feel like I know if he wants to play basketball anymore. But I also don't know if he's going to be like an all star the range for him is just is so high and so low and just like I I just I think that he's probably in a tough spot I I mean but I you know I tweeted about it like I I would I still would take a flyer on him like I would understand anything took a flyer on him he's the talent the the absolute ceiling of him is an all-star it's crazy to say about it like a number 50 pick but like that's what it is with him he was that good
1: No, and that's why I was curious because it's like, oh, if you can draft a potential all-star with your 45th pick, why not just try? It's not like these players usually turn out to be anything anyway.
0: And the other thing too, I think, is that Brad basically, like, I I think the Celtics probably have a certain evaluation, of Beggarone, because Brad said at one point, you know, we expect him to have a long career. You know, I think the Celtics have kind of evaluated him and have a floor for him that they're probably very comfortable with, where maybe they weren't as comfortable with the floor on some of the other guys who were available at that point. The Celtics signed Sam Hauser, uh, Virginia forward to a two-way deal, noteworthy for a few different reasons. Number one, it means that one of Tremont or Taco will for sure not be um, on a two-way deal with the Celtics next year. But two, Sam Hauser, I mean, Grenham. I know you're not the biggest Hauser guy in the world, but he really is a sniper. Like he can, he can shoot the lights out. Really good three-point percentage, really good free throw percentage. I mean, just purely from a shooting perspective, Sam Hauser can really, really shoot the thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, from a shooting perspective, he's one of the best shooters in the draft, right? Yeah. I think he shot 50% in his one year at Virginia. And part of my reason for not liking him is because he killed Providence for his three years at Marquette because he's such a great shooter. So he's a really good shooter, tremendous four-spacer, can get his shot off super easily, but super one-dimensional. He doesn't really do much... He's not very athletic. I don't know how he's going to really defend anyone at the NBA level. It'll be interesting to see. But the fact that he can space the floor that well and shoot that well, it's a positive and it's a nice starting point. So I I see the appeal there as a two-way guy.
0: Definitely. Yeah, as a two-way guy, it makes some sense. And then the other thing, Brad Stevens went on NBC Sports Boston and said that Jalen Brown and Rob Williams are both expected to be fully healthy for camp and not just fully healthy for camp, but fully healthy well before camp so that they could prepare and so that they would be ready to go right away. Good news there for the Celtics. Sounds like both guys are going to be ready to go and certainly ready for the regular season. The the last thing that we could talk about here is the Celtics were tied to Lonzo Ball's restricted free agency, along with a couple other teams. I believe they were Toronto and Chicago. Just kind of an interesting guy. I know the Celtics, you know, are, are hoping to have some some guard depth. And Lonzo would obviously give them that. He'd he'd be a really useful player there. There's actually some some good fit there in in terms of Lonzo obviously improved his shot quite a bit he's such a good defender he he moves the ball he like certainly is not a let, let me be the uh, let me take over and be you know the guy like there would be no questions about okay is this guy going to take shots or touches away from Tatum and Jalen? i think it would be very difficult to get him money wise but what what do you guys make of the Lonzo ball rumor
1: I mean, well, if some Geno Time listeners remember when we went over NBA TikTok, there was a user that came up with the necessary moves in order to have enough space to acquire Lonzo, and it involved trading for Caleb Martin. I forget the rest of it. So I think Lonzo Ball would qualify as like the minor splashy move that we've all sort of been talking about as a way to better their roster. Totally depends on like what they can do cap wise.
2: From a money standpoint, like I think in Shams report, he was saying just north of 20 million. And I don't know how that works financially. If, if that's the case, I would assume Fournier is gone. And so then you're potentially picking between Lonzo Ball and M Fournier. I don't know. Fournier has a nice fit on this roster. So I'm not really sure how the financials work, but I would assume that might include maybe Fournier going elsewhere in free agency.
0: Ryan Bernardoni was pointing out that it would, it would basically have to be a sign and trade. They could figure something out and maybe they could piece together the necessary guys, you know, send.
2: Yeah. Cause a sign and trade would probably hard cap them, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So right. that would be interesting to see. Free agency is coming, coming quick. We will have some more draft content coming. Grenham and I will break down Begarona a little bit. As always, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to everybody who's left us a rating or a review. Please feel free to get in touch with us. You know where to find us, and we will talk to you all again soon.